I'm just a firm believer in diversification and and anything having to do with business. Do not put your eggs in one basket. The same thing with marketing. If you have, I don't know, $100,000 in marketing budget, don't take all that money and, and, you know, just like have a Facebook ad campaign. You know what I'm saying? Diversify that. Make sure that you're getting the best return on engagement and investment. Stacey Rouse-Cohen is the CEO and founder of Co-Communications, an angel investor and an author. Stacey has been an entrepreneurista since the age of 14 when she started her babysitting agency and her love of entrepreneurship only grew from there. Standing out has always been a matter of course for her. And as a twin, Stacy's struggle to cultivate her own identity made her more sensitive to the need to develop uniqueness. Her new book, Brand Up, the ultimate playbook for college and career success is a game changer for teens to learn how to stand out in our increasingly connected, cluttered and competitive world. And the book was released in 2023. Coming up, why Stacy does not believe in niching down. What happened when Stacy's Huffington Post article went viral? You'll hear about the important business and life lessons Stacy learned when she almost went through a merger. And finally, why personal branding is critical to standing out in today's crowded market. This is the Entrepreneurista Podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done. And what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram. With no filters. No limits. And plenty of surprises. Stacy, this conversation has been many, many, many years in the making. I have to share with our listeners before we even dive into this conversation today. Stacy and I met many moons ago in a community that Courtney and I were involved in and Stacy was a part of, and we became fast friends, business colleagues, all the things. And now you have joined and are part of our entrepreneurial community, providing so much value to our members. You have a new book that just came out. You've built this incredible PR firm and communications firm over the years. And I can't wait for all of our community and members to hear all about your business journey. So Stacy, thank you for being here to share your story today. And thank you, Steph, for, for having me. We've been through a lot of ups and downs in business together, mostly ups, thankfully. And I'm just so proud to be an entrepreneurista. Well, we are so glad that you're part of the community. And Courtney and I have personally learned so much from you over the years. And I can't wait for everyone to hear what you're about to share with them. So before we get into talking all about personal brand building, which is one of my favorite topics... I want to hear your whole backstory, Stacey. Did you always know when you were growing up that you wanted to have your own business one day? Yes, yes, and yes. I grew up in Brooklyn, and both of my parents had started businesses. I don't even know if you know this about me, but I actually started my first business when I was only 14. What was that? Yeah, so so my friend Jennifer and I were really... 
unhappy with the average babysitting rate and having to watch, I don't know, three, sometimes four kids at a time. And we came up with an idea. My parents ended up moving to a new city, which is a suburb. And house parties was, was a really big thing. So we decided that we would go to these house parties, um, some very affluent ones. And we I remember there was a local uh, penny saver type of thing. And I remember the headline of the ad. It was like, we set, serve, and clean up. So what we did is we went to a thrift shop. We purchased, it was like, they look like nurses' uniforms. And then business just exploded. And what would happen is that we would be at a party setting, serving, and cleaning up. And we would just get hired on the spot. So we were booked out by months. And and again, if you look at the revenue growth from babysitting to doing this set, serve, and clean up, like hostessing, waitressing service, it was exponential. What were you charging? And how did you know at 14 what to charge? I think maybe for babysitting, it was it was like two or $3 an hour. And now, of course, it's a lot more lucrative, but probably close to $10 an hour we were making. What did that experience as a early teenager teach you about business that you then took with you once you decided to start your own? It was having a certain attitude, a growth mindset attitude. And I'm very fortunate I, you know, again, growing up, seeing my mom start businesses, my father, my dad was in the fashion industry. I just, I was always surrounded with them. I remember sitting at a a, a dinner table rather than talking about the neighbors. My father would show me a new logo of, of his pencil. And what do you think of this versus this? So from an early stage, I was really brought into both of their individual businesses. So it just felt so natural, organic, and and comfortable. But the one thing, getting back to your question, I realized and, and I saw, especially my father, really struggling at times in business. And so it was a reality check. I realized it wasn't always a smooth ride and, and it was bumpy, but it's it was also at the same time very rewarding and just taking risks, right? You also know as a, as a business owner, stretching out of your comfort level. And I always tell my staff, I bring it to my staff and I've also raised my kids like this. It's, you know, rather than being a problem spotter, you've got to be a problem solver. So coming to the table, not just whining about a problem, coming up with a solution and being nimble and just figuring it out, right? We didn't have then, like we couldn't jump on YouTube and watch a video how to do things. We somehow just had to be very resourceful and just do it. Yep, absolutely. What led you to ultimately want to start a PR and communications firm? It was not a straightforward journey. I did go into corporate for a couple of years after I graduated from college. I worked at CBS. I also worked at a big ad agency. And the great thing is, is when I worked at CBS, my boss was an incredible mentor. And he said, you know, you should go back for your MBA in marketing and we'll pay 100%. They even then, not only did they pay 100% of the tuition, they also paid for books. 
So I went mm-hmm. back at night and I ended up getting my MBA, but I wasn't satisfied in corporate. It went too slow. It's just like decisions took forever. And I wanted the independence to to be able to move a lot faster. And so when I had my girls in the 90s, I had an epiphany. I took some time off and I said, I'm going to start my own agency. And in 1998, Co-Communications was born. And by the way, the reason why it's called Co-Communications is I had an experience freelancing with an agency in Connecticut. And the assignment was to write a biotech annual report. And this company was just going public. I said to the head of the agency, I said, you know, because you know me, I'm a touchy-feely person. I said, you know, really need to speak to the CEO to get the essence of this company. And he said, oh no, we never let any of our, I don't know if you call me a freelancer, independent contractor, ever speak directly to the client. And the project ended up okay. I fed the questions directly to him it dawned on me that I wanted to work directly with the clients. So I came up with the name Co-Communications because if you think about Co, a lot of people are like, oh, you named the company after your last name, but that is is not the case. Co, the Latin derivative means with. So it's that Mm -hmm. partnership, right? Collaboration for the best possible outcome because communications works best when ideas are exchanged and sometimes thrown out and then brushed off. And so it really is very fitting of, of our company. And we actually call all our staff members, they're called co-stars. So we've had mm, a lot that. of fun with the branding co-communications, but a lot of people automatically will think, oh, you named the company after your last name, but that is not the case. I think I always thought that too. So here, here I am learning all these new things about you and your business, Stacey. Never know. Up next... Here's Stacey's tips on how to become a thought leader. When you started the agency, did you have a lot of experience working with other agencies prior to starting your own? So that's a great question because when I worked at at CBS, I actually worked international marketing. And then what happened is that there was a CEO, there was, there was a, reduction in headcounts, downsizing. My job was safe, but I used to always go to the PR department because my job was was doing a lot of number crunching. So, and you know me really well. Here I am looking at spreadsheets, how like the return of the Jedi performed in the UK versus Japan. So it was like all number crunching, which I can do, but but I would always somehow make my way to the PR department and I'd be like, oh, what are you working on? They'd be like, oh, we're doing a world premiere screening in the village for Mick Jagger. I mean, a lot more exciting <laughs> things than I did. They ended up eliminating the whole PR department. Then I ran into the woman that headed it up and she said, you know, she said, I know you don't have experience, she said, but I really think you would do so well in public relations. Come meet me for breakfast. So I actually had experience working with her while she was forming her PR agency. And 
The difference was we were working really more with entertainment-related clients like CBS, like Billboard magazine, like Screen Actors Guild. And it was a very different kind of public relations than, than we do now. I kind of call it the difference between then it was like watchdog and now it's more like pitbull. Only in the mm-hmm. sense that, you know, if we were doing like we had a, a licensing deal with the NBA, we would um, cherry pick interviews for like Michael Jordan. And whereas now we're, of course, turning up like, you know, every stone, every corner looking for opportunities. How have you been able to stay up to date on all of the changes, everything happening in the PR industry, marketing, social media, because things change every day. And for me personally, even being in the industry can be really overwhelming. How do you stay up to date, find resources and continue to innovate? That's that's a great question. And, and I love how you use the word innovate because I am a firm believer that today's competitive advantage is if you keep doing the same thing, you know the saying, you know, that you'll get the same result. But that's not the case. If you keep doing the same thing, you're going to be stuck in reverse. So the mm-hmm. new competitive edge is really about change and innovation. And just, you know, having, first of all, an incredibly great team. We learn from each other and everyone has their talents and strengths. We share knowledge and also being tapped into great resources. I have to tell you, Entreprenista is, is one of them. I just signed up for a course that you're doing. I think it's on Wednesday or Thursday with selling on Amazon. And so it's also having that fire in your belly to constantly learn and take chances, do things differently because it is the media landscape has changed so much. So how we did public relations, even like five years ago is very different to now. Absolutely. And things are changing literally every single day and being able to just keep learning and innovating and being able to present these new ideas with clients and potential clients is definitely what can keep everything going and continue to keep, you know, your agency and all agencies really excelling. So I want to talk a bit about the agency business. We have a lot of members of our entrepreneurial community that are agency owners for marketing agency owners, PR agency owners, social media agency owners, um, email marketing agencies, running an agency business, which is a service-based business. It's not always easy, very rewarding, amazing to meet all these incredible clients and, and help lots of clients, but definitely a very hard, challenging business to scale. Can you share some of your learning lessons from running your business. How many years has it been now? 20 plus years? years. Yeah, 25 years. And to be in business as an agency for 25 years is such an incredible accomplishment. So congratulations. Now tell us all your secrets to (laughs) to doing it. But tell me, are you 10 or 15? You celebrated? We're 11 on May 4th. And this episode will probably be out by then. We will be 11 years for social time. That's amazing. And Amazing. And honestly, I have to say even a bigger accomplishment for you, because I think that these past 11 years have, there's been more change than the 25 composite years that, that I've been in. Mm-hmm. So, so really a couple of, of thoughts on, on that stuff is that it, you know, it's, it's like, 
I've been through 9-11. I've been through recessions. I've been through COVID. As you've been through many of these experiences as well. It's you have to just ride with it. Stay as calm as you can when a storm hits because a storm will hit. The other thing is, is that I am a firm believer in um, building relationships. And so to both of us, to any agency, your client is, is your pot of gold. I'll take that a step further. Like your whole network, you've heard the saying, your network is, is your net worth. It's so true. And from day one, I realized the importance of client relationships. And also I will tell clients from the very moment that we meet like a, a, a new business prospect that the best clients for us are those that perceive of us as partners and not vendors. Because when you get into that vendor relationship, it goes south very, very quickly. And so many of our clients, like when I'm thinking about our client portfolio has been with us for more than 10 years. Wow. And we have one which is very unusual in agency land for 18 years. Wow. And so again, it's, like, look, we're all human and we are going to mess up. Uh, but, but developing that trust, you know, ha having the client trust you and being again, a trusted partner mm -hmm. is really critical. And even when our clients, some of them, especially the nonprofits were really struggling during COVID, they still, we, we still, some of them had to really dial down. We, we generally work mostly on retainer. They really had to dial down the retainer. And you know what? We, we worked with them and mm -hmm. they're all back now. And I also think it's, it's important. Diversification to me is a really important word. I remember when I first started the agency that I was sitting at a women's networking group. And by the way, before I get into that, I just have to express the importance of groups like Entreprenista. If you were to ask me, and I won't forget my last point, but if you were to ask me, Stacy, what do you attribute your success to? I would have to say when I started my business at the same exact time, I don't even think I have business cards. I joined a women's networking group mm -hmm. and I got on their board. So it was like an association of women business owners. And I, I attribute like my, my success and growth largely to that. So same, I, not to interrupt, but like same when Courtney and I first started, it was joining a group. And that's, again, why we created Entrepreneurista because these groups are what allowed us to make all these connections, to be able to grow, to learn absolutely everything. And without it, I always say, people should not, founders should not let founders go at business alone. Like we can do it better together. So that's it. And that's exactly going back to the early years. I only wish I had a group like Entreprenista. So I remember sitting next to a lovely woman at one of these networking events, just starting my business. And she said, you know, Stacy, you should just pick a niche, you know, because everybody offers you advice. And she's like, I think you should just pick health services. And so I very, you know, I very kindly said to her, thank you for your advice. But in my own head, I was saying, that's not who I am. And I love to learn about many different kinds of, of businesses. 
And I also felt that there's a lot of times in PR, you can partner businesses together. Mm -hmm. So I knew though, that I had to pick certain verticals, right? Because you can't, you can't be all that to every kind of, of industry. So in any case, the other thing is, is a great learning. So again, our client base, a lot, real estate, healthcare, economic development, professional services, nonprofit, education. Here's the thing. When the real estate market has tanked and it has, the other industries were okay. So Mm -hmm. I am just a firm believer in diversification and and anything having to do with business. Do not put your eggs in one basket. The same thing with marketing. If you have, I don't know, $100,000 in marketing budget, don't take all that money and, and, you know, just like have a Facebook ad campaign. You know what I'm saying? Diversify that. Make sure that you're getting the best return on engagement and investment. Such great advice. No, it just brought me back to thinking about during the pandemic and businesses that were just centered on the hospitality industry. Like, forget it. You're in so much trouble because all of those clients were not open or doing PR or marketing any longer. So diversification in business is definitely key. Stacey, I want to go back to something that you just shared before about having really spectacular client services and building these relationships. And in an agency business, you're in a people business with your employees and also with your clients and relationship building is so important. Are there other things that you do to build these relationships with your clients, like taking them out, sending gifts, doing certain things that keeps them as sticky clients? Great, great question. And and yes, absolutely. Here's, here's the point. It's like, think about we're all human beings and no matter who it is in our lives, our family, our clients. Um, people within our network, they all need to feel recognized. They all need to feel important. So I look at it though, very customizable. Like after getting to know your clients, you'll know the ones that like to be wined and dined, right? And you'll know the ones that are just too busy to do that. But yet, you know, occasionally what I'll do is send them a gift card so they can take their family to a restaurant. And, and also being there for, for, you know, for the difficult times. Um, and knowing, you know, knowing, uh, not just their business concerns, but also maybe their family concerns, sharing the joyous times, like when, they have, uh, you know, a baby or their children have, have a baby sending gifts, you know, where we always love to, uh, to show the love. The other aspect is, is, is that I really feel that just always bringing added value. Mm-hmm. And what I mean by that is that I'm just always thinking of, of my clients for opportunities or to make connections. And I know, I know you're very much the same. So if I, you know, for example, we work with a law firm that does like trust and estates and elder, you know, elder law. And there's nothing that makes me happier to connect them with sometimes a financial advisor who could be a net for business or a direct contact, a potential client. 
So again, that added value is really important. I also think, you know, hearing, and I've heard this from some clients that they feel that they know that we have other clients, but they feel like they're the only one. And Mm. there's nothing better than that. And I think, look, that doesn't come necessarily from me. It's the culture of the company. You know, similar to having, and I know this, this stands for you too, I have some, I would say like almost lifers at the company. Mm. So a lot of my staff has been with me for 10 years and this will probably shock you, but my first hire is still with me. And I hired her as an intern 25 years ago. She used to come to my home. She would come to my house when I didn't have like a real office. And she left for a while, but she is... uh not that long. I would say maybe about three or four years. She has young kids now and um, she's back part-time. But I'm so proud to to think of, you know, when you create that really positive work environment where you all root for each other and care about each other, people will stay. You'll get the stickiness factor there too. Mm -hmm. People will stay and they will always want to do the right thing by the client. I love that you just shared that. Thank you, Stacey. And that is incredible that your first employee intern is still with you and such a testament to the amazing culture and company you've built at Code Communications. I have to ask you, Stacey, what is the craziest thing that has ever happened to you in business? I'll put it to you this way. I came very close to merging with another company and it was as if we were walking down the aisle together. They were going to move into our space. We were working with the consultant to, to merge all the books. And then I got cold feet and I couldn't go through it. So we were really at the 11th hour. There was a lot of unraveling to do. And, um, but I had to go with my gut stuff. I just had to go with my gut. It was, and here's the crazy thing. And this is a, there's a lesson to this, you know, like when we're in our days and we're just going from one thing to the next and we don't mm-hmm. always listen to our inner voice. And I think that's exactly what happened here because it was when I was away on a family vacation that there were a couple of, of emails that I found disturbing and I was, it just ripped me apart, but I just came to the realization that, that this marriage could not happen because think about it. I had had some quiet time where I wasn't just jumping on the next thing. Mm. And so that was really important. It was really difficult to unravel. And it was probably about 12 years ago. And we did speak a couple of times because we had some mutual clients we were working on together, but I'm happy to say I ran into her at an event a couple of weeks ago, another, a women's networking event. And it was, it was very cordial. So it's, it's also, I think in business, like, you know, we have to sometimes brush ourselves off and not carry. I think for years I carried a very negative um, energy or weight around this situation, Mm -hmm. but I feel like, you know, things happen and it was, it was crazy. It was insane. It was, I mean, imagine like someone when they call their wedding off, but it was, it was 10x that because 
We had like movers set. I mean, the IT, it was very, very complicated to unravel. Wow. But I have no doubt to this day, I did the right thing. Well, listening to your gut and your intuition in business, I would agree with you is the one thing I will say that we always, like Courtney and I are always about listening to that voice and what our what our heart is telling us to do. Because when you've been running your business long enough, like you just know, like you have this feeling and there's a reason that that voice is speaking to you and telling you to do or not to do something. So yes, and, and you've got to listen to that voice and, and pause, sl- slow down. I think, you know, we're all running like a million miles an hour, but we've got to slow down and listen to that voice. Coming up, more on Stacy's book, Brands Up, and how you can order it today. All right. I want to talk about your new book. First of all, congratulations. And some of you can see this right now because we have sometimes we'll do some video clips on the podcast. But for those of you who can't see this, I am holding up Stacy's new book. It is called Brand Up, the ultimate playbook for college and career success in the digital world. Stacy, how did this book come to be? <laughs> Tell me all about it. And yeah, I want to hear the story. Well, first of all, thank a Big thanks to you and Courtney for your amazing endorsements and support of, of the book throughout. And before you know it, and I know you're not going to want to hear this, but your daughter will be ready for it. I don't want to hear okay. it. Okay. I, I know you don't want to hear it. <laughs> just, just, But I know, but I know how important it is. And I know we're going to talk about all this stuff in just a moment, but have her social media handle, have her, I already have her email, but you'll, you'll tell us all those tips. (laughs) That's always what I say, because my business partner, Jess, as, as you know, when she has uh, two boys, five and six, and when she was struggling with a name for her firstborn, I just said to her, I said, Jess, I said, before you finalize the name, just make sure that you can purchase the URL. So she laughed at first, but that's exactly what she did. So, okay, so the backstory on the book. My daughter was a junior in high school. She's now in her 20s, and she's going through the college admission process. Now, our school district is incredibly competitive. In fact, I'm sure you've heard the word helicopter parents. Mm-hmm. These are, are more like drone parents. <laughs> and so the, the anxiety levels are so high. And I just, I had an epiphany and I, and you know, because it's again, you know, you have these kids, like dozens of them with over 4.0 grade point average. So I was like, wow, you really need to start marketing yourself at an earlier age to stand out really for college and career success. So fast forward a bit, I started contributing to the Huffington Post and that was my my topic. You know, the importance of developing a personal branding muscle early in high school. And I'm a curious person, so I I wondered I wonder if there's any high schools in the U.S. that that are teaching this and how to be a good digital citizen. So I actually found one in Florida, and I wrote a Huffington Post article. Jason Schaefer was the teacher. I did not interview him at the time, and he contacted me, 
and we spoke and we became fast and furious friends. And by the way, he's one of the contributing authors of the book. Yes, I see him right on the cover here. And P.S., <laughs> I should actually make an introduction. He is actually, so he was teaching this personal branding class at a private school, North Broward, Florida. And sure knew her. it was made mandatory, Steph. It was mandatory. Good. Every ninth grader, every 14-year-old had to take this class. And he created all the curriculum. And um, anyway, wrote the article, got in touch with me, and then, he actually asked me on a visit to Florida just to visit friends. He's like, would you come and sit in my class? And I did. And I sat in actually two classes and I was blown away. I was absolutely blown away that these 14-year-olds were beginning to learn how to tell their narrative, to tell their story, to tell what their superpower was and really to getting to know their strengths. And so went back to New York, wrote another Huffington Post blog. This blog went viral. So I knew I, I, I knew I had something here. Actually, educational testing services called me. They wanted to buy worldwide rights to the article. And I, what was that article? The article the is, is what I had wrote two articles on the school. One was just mentioning them. The article was around uh, the year 2017 and then a follow up article around 2018. And so, you know, it was the second article that, that really went viral. And, um, I just, I realized that I had something and it's something that was really sorely lacking in, in high schools. And at the same time, I ended up giving a TEDx talk. And then some of the statistics are shocking. Like now, 75% of college admissions officers are looking at kids' social media. So, Guidance counselors, and, and some of them are forward thinking, so don't get me wrong, but guidance counselors are very quick to say, lay off social media. Like, like, but I'm saying, and I know you'll agree, no, figure out how to use social media, like to leverage your best self and, yes. you know, and show your achievements because if an admissions officer or a job recruiter is looking for you, show them all that you've got. And then at the same time, Harvard, I don't know if you've heard of the Harvard 10, but 10 kids were admitted into Harvard. And then because of bad social media behavior, every single one of their admissions were revoked. This group of 10 I remember kids. That was a couple of years ago. I yeah, remember that was that like story. around yep. 2017, 2018 mm-hmm. also. And so all of this was, was firing up. And the crazy thing is, is that when I did my TEDx talk, the acceptance rate at Harvard was 4.6%. So these 10 kids got in against all odds. Now there's a trend that college acceptance rates are declining, particularly a lot amongst a lot of the elite schools. So now Harvard's acceptance rate only a couple of years later is 3.2%. So they had the golden ticket and it was stolen away. All because they were not being appropriate and sharing things they should not have been sharing on social media. And I always say when social media is used for good, it is the best, most powerful place. And when social media is a place, especially for, you know, teenagers, it can be really dangerous and learning everything. And I would love for you to talk about, you know, some of the different things that kids will learn in your book, in this workbook, but 
there is a lot of opportunity to do really great things with social media, especially if you start learning this at a young age. And I think the challenging part, and you know, you see it, social media is one, it can be very addictive for teenagers and they get sucked in and they're seeing what their friends are doing and what they're posting and they want to post the pictures that might not be appropriate or in the bathing suits and things that might look cool to your friends. But if college admissions advisors are looking at it, it's probably not going to help you get into Harvard. Exactly, exactly. And, and you know, it also just shows you that smart kids, like look at these Harvard kids. I'm sure that they were ones that had GPAs of 4.2. Smart kids are not always smart on social media. So it's understanding at an earlier age how to use social media to your advantage. I actually have a full chapter on LinkedIn. I am out of, personally, out of all the social media channels, LinkedIn is my biggest comfort zone. And kids at the age of 16 should be on LinkedIn. They should build sterling profiles of, of, you know, of them and their, their work experience, their capabilities, their, their achievements. And the other thing is, is, is that there's something in college called demonstrated interest, which has changed and COVID absolutely accelerated it. So when I took my kids for the college visits, you know, the, the people that had gone through it before, they were like, you must go on the college visits and tours because colleges want to know that your kid, if accepted, will accept. Mm-hmm. And so sign up for the tours. Now there's all this big data and algorithms. So colleges are looking like if you're on LinkedIn and if you want to go to Vanderbilt, let's say for engineering, are you connecting with the chairperson of, of the engineering department? And they're also looking, has this kid, are they registered on our website? How often do they come? How long do they stay? And so they're taking all this, this big data and using it to see if they have two kids with a very, you know, similar GPAs, test scores. And by the way, a lot of schools are test optional right now. Who are they wow. going to pick? It'll be the kid that stands out. Maybe it's the kid that started a tutoring service, or maybe it's the kid that has demonstrated a much higher level of interest. Wow. Okay. So follow the schools that you want to get into on LinkedIn, on Instagram, go to their websites, log in, register, do all of those things. And all of the other tips are in your book. And Who's buying your book? Is it parents who are mostly buying it for their kids or are students hearing about this book and they should head over right now to Amazon or to your website and buy it? It's largely parents. Okay. Um, I don't know. Maybe you can teach me how to get this on TikTok and have teenagers purchase it. But it's also my dream stuff is to have this book in every high school across the country. And I dream big. It's also to get it translated into 20 different languages. That That is my dream. So also besides parents, target audiences for me are also educational consultants and actually schools, high schools them, themselves, whoever is the decision maker to bring this book into their curriculum. And you know, it's not just about branding. There's also essential life skills. I have a full chapter in networking. I have interviewing mm-hmm. skills. I have a chapter on, on entrepreneurship, uh, which 
actually Jason, who was teaching personal branding in Florida to high school students, now he's teaching entrepreneurship to ninth graders. No, I'm sorry, not ninth graders, middle schoolers. Okay. He's in, and he's still in Broward County? He, no, he's he's no longer in Broward County. He's closer to the Orlando area. I should definitely connect okay. the two of you. Yes, would, would love to connect with him. All right, so to get on TikTok, here's my recommendation to get your book all over TikTok. You need to find a established high school TikTok influencer who talks about this type of stuff. We need to get them a book and have them start talking about it on TikTok coming from them and how it's helped them. Sounds like a plan. And I'll give you a percentage of all the books that are sold. Oh, I don't, you know me. I I don't want it. I just want to help. (laughs) No, of of course. It's like, you know, if you want someone to amplify your message, you, you want to, again, do I still think by and large that it's going to be parents that buy this book? Yes. But I do want to uh, gain interest from teens. It's so interesting. There is one chapter in the book. It's called Winning the College Admissions Game. If you look at page 135, this is the chapter that so many parents that who are going through the admissions process said, please, Stacey, can you just send me that one chapter? I have quotes from 42 plus admissions officers, educational consultants of what tips the scale. So what is it that can make a kid stand out during the admission process and just practical tips on using social media? So again, parents, like they want to read that chapter and they know that their kids won't listen to them. So they want to say, if you don't do the exercises, because the book is very interactive, if you don't do the exercises in the book, at least read this chapter on what you know, college admissions offices are looking for. And I did want to mention that on the cover of your book, you have a beautiful endorsement from the one and only Barbara Corcoran from Shark Tank. She said to excel at networking, entrepreneurship in the classroom and in the boardroom, don't miss brands up. That is from Barbara Corcoran about your book, which is incredible. So for all the moms and dads who may be listening right now, if you're little one is currently not that little anymore and on their way to college soon, you definitely want to check out this book. And we'll be linking out to all of the links in the show notes as well. Stacy, anything else that you want to add that we should all be thinking about when we're working to build our personal brand, whether we're 14 or 40, or we want to reinvent ourselves at 70? What should we be thinking about that's, when building our personal brand? Because stuff, as you and I both know, like personal branding is for life. And I'm just saying, you know, this book had so many different iterations. I'm simply saying, get that muscle going early. Start building it now. Because, you know, again, look, your brand will evolve as you evolve and you may end up changing career paths. There's also a general misconception about personal branding. A lot of people don't like the word personal brand because they will be like, I don't want my kid to be like a commodity. But the truth of the matter is personal branding is not about me, me, me. It's about what is the value that you bring to others. Mm -hmm. So, and this really goes for anyone. It's like, so it comes down to, and it's the basic principle in all marketing. Like, why should I choose you? 
So when you're in the grocery store deciding between two laundry detergents, why are you picking one over the other? It's generally the benefit. Maybe one makes your clothing softer. It's the same thing with people. You need to make sure, especially these days, I always say Google is the new resume. You need a really strong digital footprint. People will Google you. Mm-hmm. You need a strong online presence and you need to showcase your value and you've got to be a master of first impressions. If someone wants to work on building their personal brand and they are new to this world, what should they do to just get started? The first step is, and here's the issue. This is the step that everybody skips over because it's quite easy to go to the next, you know, to the the new shiny penny and say, you know, I'm going to go on TikTok and promote my whatever it is. You've got to build a foundation. It's the basic principle of marketing. It's like the marketing of you. Marketing is about deliberate steps and it's a science and it's an art, but you really need to understand and a lot of it is very reflective, right? What are your passions, your achievements, your values, your goals? You have to go through this whole process and really become self-aware. And also at the same time, as important as it is for you to understand yourself, you need a reality check. Ask your friends, family, like, how would you describe me? You know, what do you think my value is, is to, uh, the work environment? And, and, Then only once you understand that, can you put your stake in the ground and then figure out the different channels and then also content. Everyone in your audience is is a subject matter expert on something, right? This is Mm -hmm. also about, it's funny because I really didn't call this personal branding. It's really for my clients who are CEOs and business owners. It's about building thought leadership, Mm -hmm. right? And it's like, why should someone choose you? One of the most important things is, and you know this better than anyone, it's it's likability, it's credibility, and it's trust. So again, you have to be consistent in your brand. And as you're, you're getting out through different channels, you want to make sure that the that the information is is going to be relevant and of value to your audience. Absolutely. In your business at Co Communications, do you work with individuals on thought leadership and helping to build personal brands or only organizations? Yes. Yeah. And, and you know what? Since I started my personal branding journey with the book and started speaking about it, definitely much more so. And a lot of them are CEOs that, that are leaving a certain situation and want to go elsewhere and trying mm-hmm. to figure it out is you kind of identify yourself in, in one way. And all of a sudden, you know, it's like, who are you and what can you bring to your, to your next situation, whatever that might be. All right. So for those listening who might be thinking about taking that first step or wanting to figure out their personal brands, they can reach out to you for, for a call to see if it would be, could be a good fit to work together then. Absolutely. I love it. Well, Stacey, I know we could chat all day about personal branding and perhaps we'll continue the conversation on a LinkedIn or Instagram live. But until then, I have one final question for you. What does being an entrepreneurista mean to you, Stacey? An entrepreneurista 
brings me so much joy and it's incredibly rewarding. And first of all, I'm so proud to be part of the community. I think that's, that's the biggest, the, the sense of community that you feel in women helping other women and being in Florida. I guess it's about a month ago now, just meeting these other founders who we all learn from each other, right? And, and we, we help each other grow. And we cannot do this alone. We need to, as you said before, better together. Absolutely. Stacy. where can everyone find you, follow you? And for those that are interested in buying your book, Brand Up, where can they head over to do so? So Instagram at Stacy Ross Cohen. And the book is available on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, Target, and Walmart. And what is the website for your book too? We'll link out to that as well. Branduppbook.com. Branduppbook.com. Okay, we are going to link out to everywhere that our listeners and entrepreneurs can find you and follow you and branduppbook.com. So go head over to the show notes and check it out. If you have a child that is going to be heading to college soon, you don't want to miss this book. And if you know someone whose child is getting ready to apply to colleges, send this over to them and be a hero to help their kids get into college. So Stacey, thank you for writing this book. I am so excited for you. And I I know all of this information is going to be so important for, for Molly as well. So appreciate you thinking about the future generation of, of entrepreneurs as well. Thank you again, Stacey, for sharing your story. And thank you, first of all, for having the entrepreneurista community. It's you're helping thousands connect and grow. And thank you for having me today. Really always love speaking with you, Steph. Well, thank you again, Stacy. I'm Stephanie, and this is the best business meeting I've ever had. Hey, thanks for listening and leaving us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate it. And we'd love to stay in touch with each of you. You can listen to all of our latest episodes at entreprenista.com and connect with us on Instagram at entreprenistas. We'd also love to invite you to join the Entreprenista League our private membership community for trailblazing women. You can head over to entreprenista.com forward slash the league. We'll see you there. Wishing you a productive week ahead. Mm-hmm.